welcome to the St. Barnabas Pocket Sermon Podcast. The sermon you're about to listen to is by the Reverend Karen Haig from the last Sunday after the Epiphany. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say, for they were terrified. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud there came a voice, This is my Son, the Beloved. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they saw no one with them anymore, but only Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, he ordered them to tell no one about what they had seen until after the Son of Man had risen from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. I speak to you in the name of the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. I don't know that you've noticed, but we just made a huge leap in Mark's Gospel. We've been reading from the first chapter of Mark for four out of the last five weeks, and we'll hear much of it again next week on the first Sunday of Lent. I'm not exactly sure why the lectionary makers spent all that time in one chapter. I imagine it's foundational to understanding Mark's intentions and priorities, which is a fine thing. But today, today we've skipped all the way to chapter 9. We don't hear anything about Jesus calling the rest of the disciples, don't hear anything about all of the cures and healings he brings to bear, don't hear about him feeding 5,000 people, about the parable of the mustard seed or the sower who went out to sow, or about hiding our lights under a bushel, or quieting a storm, or walking on water. But you need to know that all of this has happened since we last saw each other, and that Peter, James, and John have been there for all of it. And today, having left everyone and everything behind, they climbed with Jesus to the top of a holy mountain and had one of those experiences that changes everything, not just for them, but for us too. Here on this final Sunday of Epiphany, they and we are given a glimpse of God's glory. We are offered one last Epiphany. But let's back up just a bit. Jesus and his disciples had been making the 25-mile trek from Galilee north to Caesarea Philippi 
Long walks make for great conversations between good friends, and as they traveled along, Jesus asked them, Who do people say that I am? John the Baptist or Elijah or maybe one of the other prophets, they told him. Yes, but who do you say that I am? Of course, Peter was the one to answer. You are the Messiah, the Son of God. Jesus didn't praise Peter for finally getting things right. Instead, he shocked his disciples by telling them he was going to suffer greatly at human hands, that he would be rejected by his own people, that he would be killed, and three days later raised from the dead. It was the first time he said it, but it wouldn't be the last. It's hard for me to take in Jesus, finally recognized as the Messiah, responds to that recognition by telling his friends he's going to die. Oh, he says he'll rise again in three days, but that isn't what they hear. What they hear from Jesus is that he will die. And when Peter rebuked Jesus for saying such things, Jesus called him Satan. When I think about Peter naming Jesus as the Messiah, about Jesus predicting his own death and resurrection, about Peter trying to get Jesus to stop talking like that, the story of Elisha and Elijah seems remarkably similar. When the prophets ask Elisha, do you know that today the Lord will take your master away from you? He answers, yes, I know, stop talking about that. But the prophets were preparing Elisha, just as Jesus was preparing Peter and the rest of the disciples for the reality that their masters were leaving. Jesus insisted that those disciples work out who Jesus was before he died. Because like Elisha would carry on Elijah's prophetic voice, the disciples would be the one to carry on for Jesus. I don't think when Jesus asked, who do you say that I am? He was looking for the correct answer. I think he asked that question so the disciples would really think about who Jesus was and what Jesus was doing so that when he was gone, they could take up Jesus' mantle and carry on God's mission. But they hadn't figured that out yet. So when Jesus responded to being called the Messiah with the truth of what that meant, that he would suffer and die at the hands of religious and political authorities and rise again, well, it wasn't what the disciples thought would happen. And then Jesus said something else they didn't expect. If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it.
taking up crosses, dying and rising. Things didn't sound so good for the disciples. So all that happened just about a week before they went up the mountain. The disciples had been trying to go along as they always had, as though nothing out of the ordinary had happened, but it had. Jesus told them he would suffer and die. And as the disciples were trying to make sense of it all, Jesus called Peter, James, and John together for another long walk, this time up the mountain. And one thing we can be sure of, anytime anybody goes up the mountain, they are sure to encounter God. That's not just true in the Bible. I've hiked mountains in the Holy Land and mountains in the Holy Land of the Pacific Northwest too. And in those glorious places, God is often revealed. Some climbs are straightforward, up and then down. But others are more circuitous, with long, winding stretches of trail that make the way forward clear, and also places where it feels like a labyrinth, with switchbacks and direction changes so that the only thing to do is put one foot in front of the other, trusting the trail to lead us to our destination. Sometimes we can't tell. Sometimes it isn't until we reach the very top that we have a moment of revelation, when we could see where we'd come from and see where we're going. And that's just what happened to the disciples when they went up that holy mountain with Jesus. In the blink of an eye, Jesus was transfigured, but the disciples were transformed. Jesus' essence had not changed. Only his outward appearance had changed. He was who he had always been. But in that dazzling light, in the company of Moses and Elijah, the greatest of all prophets in Israel, Jesus looked very different to his disciples. Their friend, teacher, companion on the way, had turned to divine and dazzling light, and they were transformed. The change in Jesus' outward appearance allowed the disciples to see Jesus fully human as they always had. That's where they had come from. And fully divine, glowing with resurrection light. That's where they were going. It had to have been terrifying, but it was probably compelling too. So having no idea what to do, yet wishing they could live forever in the company of prophets and dazzling light, Peter offered to build three dwellings, one for Elijah, one for Moses, and one for Jesus, so they could all stay there on the mountaintop. Maybe Peter thought the story would unfold differently, that all the talk of crosses and suffering and death would go away if they could just stay put. But Peter couldn't change the story. 
and neither can we. When the voice of the living God interrupted his musings, Peter and his friends were terrified. This is my son, the beloved, listen to him. These were the words Jesus alone heard at his baptism in the Jordan. But this time, the words were for everyone. Listen to him. It's all the counsel they got, but it was all the counsel they needed. It's all the counsel we need, too. Walking down the mountain, the disciples must have felt stunned. They didn't want the moment to end. Peter's response on the mountaintop made that very clear. Yet, in the blink of an eye, it was over. That's just how life is, isn't it? There are moments we want to hold on to forever, and we can't. People die. Jobs end. We lose our health, our independence, or maybe just our self-confidence. That's part of what it means to be a human. Dying and rising and dying and rising and dying and rising. And still, it's natural to want to cling to the glorious times, the gentle times, the times when God feels close. That's what was going on on that mountaintop, you know. God came so close. And when that happened, the disciples had one of those experiences that changes everything, not just for them, but for us too. Here on this final Sunday of Epiphany, before we depart the season of brightness and light for the penitential shadows of Lent, we are given a glimpse of God's glory, offered one last magnificent epiphany so that we can remember that God breaks through in the hard parts of life. In those times when we feel like everything's coming apart, God gives us a glimpse of glory so that we have what we need to get through. Whether it's some small kindness from a stranger, the opportunity to give what we have, a child's laughter, a cup of tea with a friend, God's love and faithfulness always breaks through. Like the disciples, we live with uncertainty, but the God who loves us is always certain. Not long after they came down from the mountain, Jesus told them again that he would suffer, that he would die, and that he would rise again. As it turns out, the glorious light of resurrection is inseparable from the way of the cross. This last Sunday in Epiphany is a turning point in the gospel and in our lives, too. As we look forward to our Lenten journey together, I pray that we will accept the invitation to look deep inside ourselves, to consider the things that keep God at a distance, and to allow God to come dazzlingly close. There is a cross in our story, yes, but in the end, 
our story is about resurrection. We don't need to be afraid to look inside because there's dazzling light in us too. We only need to open our hearts to one another and to the God who loves us, and we too will be transformed. Amen.